Says we're starting. Says we're going live. We got applause. There we go. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Johnny Bean, and uh, it is August 12th, 2022, 8.24 p.m. Eastern, 5.24 Pacific out here in California, and uh, Matt Blackett is my guest tonight, so uh, here we go. You ready, Matt? I am ready. All right. All right. Here it is, Johnny Bean TV. There we are. We're on. <laughs> oh my gosh. Matt, it's so great to see you again, man. Mr. Johnny Bean, it's good to see you. Last time I saw you was at the NAM show, right? And yes. you didn't know it. I didn't know it, but I had COVID right then. So I'm so grateful that I did not give you COVID at that show. Oh. Well, actually, I'd already had it, so I'm glad I didn't give it to it, you. It doesn't mean <laughs> I couldn't have given it to you. Let's still be grateful for what we have to be grateful for here. Yes. Yes, everybody. Good to see you again. And here we are in like in perfect health. Yeah. 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 We're, we're, we feel great. We're looking great. We sound great. <laughs> we That's a very important great. That's very important. We sound great. You guys, let me apologize. The reason, well, we're late because we were having audio issues. And that's my fault. I'm going to take this one on. There was a serious <laughs> user error on my part. I don't know what the error was, but I was the user. It's my error, and I apologize. It's okay. It's all good. It's all good. We're here. There's audio, and so this will be a podcast on playback so you guys see here's the introductions so you guys you guys you can actually listen to this podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, soundcloud uh iheart uh amazon music pretty much wherever wherever you get your podcast you can be listening to this show and we're live tonight on youtube where we have channel members we have a channel membership program and all you got to do is click that join button. There's a little join button below, right below the eight thumbs ups currently. Thank you so much, you guys. Smash that join button, become a channel member. And if you're a top tier executive producer, I will read your name at the beginning of every show, such as if I can find it. There we go. Just like Stephen Franklin, Michael Smith, Music Therapy Laz, Majestic PB and J Cat, Mike Neese, False Flag, Sherman Callahan, Thomas Santiago, John Moronic, R Habs, Michael B, David Allen Wright, and Warlag. That's the top tier of channel membership known as the executive producers here on Johnny Bean TV here on YouTube. And again, if you'd like to become a channel member, click that join button. But let's say you're like, eh, I'm not ready to be a member yet. I just got here, but I'd like to help support your channel. Uh, you can do that with Super Chats. And uh, what you can do is uh, smash that, I guess, the, the, the dollar Super Chat button below the, uh, the, what do you call it? Below the chat. And, and uh, the cool thing about, about uh, the Super Chat feature is it changes the color of these lights in the guitar noir. Look at that. Matt, you ever seen a guitar more? You know, I love the term. I believe it's a portmanteau. And so that's one of my favorite 
grammatical construction. So uh, I've never heard it before, but I'm going to use it from this day forward. Right on, right on. Ours has magical lights that change with any super chats or otherwise known as donations towards the channel because it's not free running this stuff. So any any support is greatly appreciated, you guys. Uh, let's see. And we're live on Facebook, Johnny Bean TV Facebook page, or we have Facebook stars, which is kind of like it's kind of like a, a super chat, but it's on the YouTube side. And we're we Matt, we've been upping the production of the of these shows. We have all kinds of cool little uh, like movies and, and it's graphics. amazing the production values already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we're live in Johnny Bean TV. We got Facebook stars. We're also live in the exclusively Van Halen group. We'll probably talk some Van Halen. Uh, we're live in the EVH Gear Live group, EVH Gear Live page, Johnny Bean TV page as well. And uh, I might as well say it next week, next Friday, our guest here will be radio legend Phil Hendry. We're moving up, Matt. Phil Hendry will be here. And if you don't know who he is, where have you been? But also just Google, Google his name and you'll see that he he's pretty much the he's just He's a legend. I mean, he, no, he's he everywhere. Really is. Hey, I'm glad I'm going on before him. I don't want to follow <laughs> Phil Henry. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Well, anyway, Phil is awesome, and he will be here this Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific, uh, uh, August 19th. And that, that show, it's going to be just insanity. If, if, if you're into comedy, if you're into voices, if you're into just insaneness this friday so you 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 don't want to miss that you don't want to don't want to miss it and phil and i go way back a lot of years so we'll have a lot to to talk about it'll be very interesting thank you majestic majestic says he's he's stoked for uh for phil to to come on the show yeah man it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be awesome so so matt matt Yes, so, sir. So, so we, so we. Last time I saw you was at the Nam show. That's right. You had COVID, I yeah, guess. I didn't know that I had it. You know, but everyone at the Nam show, except for Johnny Bean, had COVID. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. You must have been born under a lucky star. I a, a Facebook star. Yes. <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> yeah, but no, we had a good hang. It was at the Ibanez booth. And it was, we were there, it was you, That's me, right. the inventor of the Evertune Bridge, Cosmos Lyles, and Mike Arrigo, who runs the custom shop, or, no, sorry, the artist relations in the LA custom shop for Ibanez, is a mm -hmm. great guy who has connected us with all kinds of really, really cool artists, and it's just a great, a great guy. And so that was cool. That was one of my favorite hangs at the show. And, and again, for what it was, sort of a... A, a simplified show, a smaller show, and all this. I really liked all my interactions there, with one exception, the interaction that gave me COVID. But I would love it if we could make it through the rest of this show without talking about COVID. Uh, but Were you yeah, shaking hands? Were you shaking hands? I wasn't shaking hands so much, but I had a lot of conversations with a lot of people in pretty mm -hmm. close proximity, breathing in my face. And so, mm. you know, yeah, now it's 
again, I am not alone with this. I personally know, I don't know, 50 people who got COVID at NAM, And that means there were oh, wow. 5,000. And so anyway, but it's well, maybe we should just make this an all COVID show. Maybe that's what we should do. People don't want to talk about guitars or anything cool or fun. <laughs> they want to talk about a pandemic. And so I'm here to help you with that. Sure. I mean, I, I had it. I had it. It wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but it, for me, it wasn't the worst thing either. It felt like a light flu. It just kind of had had it for maybe five days. And then after that, I had a cough that wouldn't go away for about a month. So. Well, here we are. And we've lived to tell the tale. And uh, and again, I was absolutely joking when I said I wanted to keep talking about this. I want to talk about oh, okay. anything else. So oh. we can talk to cars, but I mean, bring it on, baseball, whatever you want, you know? I'd rather talk about COVID. <laughs> it's your show. It's your show. So uh, that's all good. Man. But hey, we actually we actually have a Facebook user here. I'm not sure who this is. Somebody watching us from one of the Facebook groups. So it kind of for because it, it's a private group. So it blocks like their name and avatar. So if you want to tell us who you are, he says, uh, didn't we hug Matt? But no COVID for me. And he also says last time I saw Matt was June 3rd at NAM. Wow. So, so. Did there be, so your viewers are seeing me as a super spreader here, and I really don't want that. <laughs> uh, that that's going to be a negative for me. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't really hug many people at NAMM, so it's possible I hugged this person. But, oh, uh, it's Randy. Oh, it's, it's Randy. Ra Randy. Hey, Randy. Randy at NAMM? No. It's, you weren't even at NAMM. <laughs> That's that's the Rand man doing what the Rand man does, and that's uh, why it's why we love him. Oh, actually, wait a minute! No, no, no! I absolutely did see him at Nam because he played at Nam, and yeah, we probably the last one. Sorry, sorry, Randy. Randy, Randy, yeah. I I wanted to come for those of you who don't know. Randy is the lead singer in a, a Van Halen tribute called Hot for Teacher, and they're Bay Area based, but they play every Nam show every year at the is it the Hilton? Right? Yeah, at the Hilton. Yeah, midnight, like at midnight. Uh, the, the like at midnight. Night. And he and I were yeah. in a band that was called the Red Rocker Experience, where we did the Van Hagar side of the Van Halen legacy. And he did a great job at that. And so, yeah, my my apologies, Randy. Yes, we did yeah. hug. Uh, sorry, I forgot about that hug, but <laughs> super glad I didn't give you COVID. And so here we are again talking about COVID, which again, I think that's what your podcast really should be about. I think this is... This is what the people want is to keep talking about COVID. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So again, yeah. I'm following your lead. It's you're the, cool. you're the host. Cool. Well, hey, let, let's just we, we gotta give Randy a shout out because yes. Hot for Teacher is a Bay Area, you know, we're Bay Area. Well, I'm Santa Cruz go. now, but I'm still Bay Area. A I'm Bay Area Van Halen trip. Out there in the chat. So hftrocks.com. There you go. There, there you go. You, you guys go. check them out. They play the NAM show every, I guess, every Friday, that Friday yeah. at the Hilton. They've been doing that for a lot of years. Our yeah. friend uh, Brooks Lundy is on bass. He, he's he's a, a great he dude. He has been on bass. Is he currently on bass? Oh, last time I saw them, he was. I don't know. He, he may be. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Um but yeah, it's um, it, they do a great job, and they're just great people. It was yeah. so much fun playing with them when we did the Van Hagar thing because he, for me, I hadn't, yeah, I was, I knew all that material, didn't know it from a playing standpoint, but I heard it, I saw all those tours and everything. But 
to have to drill down into that catalog and actually learn the parts and try and play them. It was the most challenging thing I've ever done in my career. It was amazing. Transformed my playing. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Okay. Brooks is no longer with them. Jesse Scott is with them. Well, see, I missed you guys the last NAM show. I, I'm an old man now and I had to go to bed at, at, at midnight. Um, but next, next year, next year, um, if, if we're all there, um, I will definitely see you guys. Um, I, I was going to say, actually, uh, the last time I saw Hopper Teacher was at the NAM show. This is probably three years ago, maybe four years ago. And I was there with, with a friend of mine and, and they, uh, we were hanging out watching hot for teacher and yeah, Randy doesn't know this. I don't think Brooks even, even knew this, but I was there with a friend of mine who, who was, who was very good friends with Edward Van Halen. And they actually took a picture of you guys and texted it to Edward while you guys were playing. So I don't know if you guys even knew that, but that's pretty amazing. It was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And then it was either the year, it must have been the year before that I sat in with them because we had just started the Red Rocker experience. And so they were going to get me up to play one tune. And I was absolutely petrified. And I'm standing there. It's, I'm getting ready to go on stage. And I look, and next to me is Joel Hoekstra and Jeff Watson. And so oh. Joel recognizes me and he's going, like, Hey, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm about to play. And he goes, Oh, I can't wait to hear you play. Okay, thank you. I was nervous enough before getting up there, right? I'm going like, really? Really? And so I went up. I did okay. I, it was fine. I, I didn't know if the crowd was going to dig uh, a, a, Van, a Van Halen tribute show playing uh, a Van Hagar tune, which was Finish What You Started, right? And I'm going, mm-hmm. like, ah, this is some of this. It could be polarizing for people. And I played the lick and everybody went nuts and i'm going all right i guess we're okay then i guess we're all friends here oh that's awesome yeah it was awesome it was actually it was really thrilling and to tell the story like i actually had to play this in front of like real rock stars like legit rock stars that is not easy to do Mm Hmm. yeah yeah man but hey joe holster and jeff watson man yeah and interesting that those two would be hanging out because I know kind of got Jeff's gig, right? I know a that's really a really cool story with that. that <laughs> they, um, and again, I can't speak to the inner workings of Night Ranger, but Jeff Watson was out, Joel Hoekstra was in, and he could do that whole eight finger tapping thing and all this. Yeah. And, um, but I guess he hadn't met Jeff Watson and he, they did not know one another. And then Joel, all Joe, will not say no to a gig. So he plays with everyone, right? So he plays with Cher and he does the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. So he was on a TSO tour and I guess he got a message from Jeff Watson because Jeff Watson's, I want to say it's his mom, but I might be wrong about that, but somebody close to Jeff Watson was a big TSO fan. And so Jeff reached out and said, hey, we've never met, but I understand you're playing my parts that I recorded with Night Ranger. Everybody tells me you're doing a great job. Here's what I'd like. Can you get my, whoever it is, right? My, my, this person close to me into this show. Joel mm-hmm. being maybe the nicest guy in the music business says, yes, this is awesome. Absolutely. Rolls out the red carpet for this 
family member of Jeff Watson, they become friends. And it's like one of the nicest kumbaya stories that you'll ever hear in the music business where there's a lot of bitterness. And, and it, when you leave a band, there can be bitterness. There can be mm -hmm. bitterness towards the person who took your gig in that band, right? Even mm -hmm. though it, we've all seen it and, and like this is how the business works. It really warmed my heart. And just to see those guys there ordinarily would have been a really heartwarming thing. It happened to be a terrifying thing because I had to get on stage in about a minute and a half after seeing this and playing in front of those guys. So, <laughs> so there's that. But, you know, it didn't kill me. And so I like to think it made me stronger. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, that was a fun story. Real quick. I'll tell you my Jeff Watson story really quickly. My, mine's mine's kind of kind of crazy. So I was a kid in Lincoln, Nebraska in 19, was it 90 or 89? One of those years. And Jeff Watson was in town to do a Hamer guitar clinic. Yes. So, so it was 80, it was, I think it was 89, 1989. So I go, I go to the, I go to the, uh, it's a bar and I, I'm, I go back to use the restroom. I come back and somebody taps me on the shoulder and I look over and it's him. It's Jeff Watson. I apparently I'd walk past. He's like hiding in the back at this booth. And I walked past him and he taps me on the shoulder because I was wearing a, a Hard Rock Cafe San Francisco T-shirt that my dad had brought back to me from from traveling. So so Jeff Watson tells and again, I'm a kid at the, at the point. Jeff tells me he's like, hey, you know, that's where I'm from. And if you ever come out there, you can stay with me. So I'm so I'm thinking, wow, that's this is awesome, man. <laughs> That's amazing. So, did, did yeah. you ever pick him up on it? You ever crash it? I jump? tried. I tried. Here's what here's what happened. So so a few years later, I end up moving out here. My family moves out. We moved to El Cerrito, California, which I'm sure you know. I know and well. and uh, there's this comedian named Dean Del Rey that does these birthday shows in San Francisco. I think it was at the Stone at that point or, or something. So the reason I go, though, is because Jeff Watson is on the bill. So I go and I happen to run into him before the show. I'm like, hey, you remember me? I'm here. And he, he wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that's a great story. And yeah, Dean Del Rey, he puts on those shows in L.A. now. And it's like an easy oh. Thing. Yes. So, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's like ACDC tribute. And yeah. and the, at the end of the show, they're playing Highway to Hell. Jeff Watson jumps out and starts doing his eight finger tapping, which is totally appropriate for that Highway night. to Hell. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I get that. Yeah. And so my friends, Josh Z and Billy Rowe, they're in that band now and they play that. And oh, they both cool. just absolutely crush ACDC stuff. And so, yeah, they do the Dean Del Rey thing now. That is that's a great story. And I don't, I don't want you to give up on that dream. I think you can sleep at Jeff Watson's house. I just think you might get arrested. There may be a restraining order well, in your future, but you can do it. And so don't, don't ever doubt yourself. We are Facebook friends now. Okay. So, so, so yeah, I, I might, I might be able to get in that way. People that I'm Facebook friends with. So you can do it. I believe in you. You know, I mean, if anything, I can spend the night at your house. I know. At some point, that might that might get you arrested as well. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this. You know, none of this is set in stone, so you know we we've got time. If you're ever here, look, there's there's the couch. I love the couch, oh. but I oh, just worry that so many people are going to be smashing that 
donation button that that light is going to be flickering on and off. <laughs> It'll keep you up all night. I know. I don't know if I want that. Uh, we'll see. It'll, it'll be going off the entire night. But look at this. <laughs> exactly. Look at this. Look at that. Oh. Oh, love that. There's okay. Ned. That's Ned. Well, what There's a cool Ned. cat. What a cool He's cat. He's awesome. Yeah. He, he's awesome. And and by the way, by the way, I, I told you you could promote whatever you want. I I have Ned T-shirts to promote. Oh, look at those! Wow. Actually, we we have merch. We have merchandise, and uh, you should be you guys should be able to see them. Normally, you should actually see them on this video. For some reason, you're not. I'm gonna have to fix that. But uh, we got brand new merch. We got Ned T-shirts. We got Johnny Bean T-shirts. We got mugs. We got hats. We got we got all kinds of stuff. So, so Matt, if if you have merchandise, feel free to. Uh, I don't. To, I feel like I should. I, I need some. You know, it's a, no. Right now, there's no no merch that I can think of. I got some Evertune stickers here, but they're free. So, no. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Well, do you want to talk about Evertune? I would love to talk about Evertune. Yeah. We, we were we were at the Nam show. Um. And yeah, we were talking about Evertune and, and uh, how, how long, how long have you been with, with Evertune and, and what do you great, do? It's a great question. So I, in a prior life, I was the associate editor of Guitar Player Magazine for like 15 years. And I got to, I got yes. to review and see and test every piece of gear in the world. I mean, almost without exaggeration, we got every piece of gear there. And even though a lot of it was really, really cool gear, you know, a lot of nice guitars and amps and uh, effects and gadgets, very little of it struck me as being revolutionary or game changing. And I tried the Evertune Bridge in 2012 and I instantly thought this is the most revolutionary product I've seen since I've been here. And I started talking to them in 2012 about working together. Because one of my pet things is tuning and intonation. And even though I don't have perfect pitch, I'm very sensitive to relative pitch and things being out of tune and just and struggling with my own guitars, as we all do, right? Guitars are inherently mm -hmm. a little bit difficult to get to play in tune, stay in tune, and intonate as you go up the neck, right? So I was an early adopter of the Buzz Feeton system. I've tried the Irvana Nut. I have a guitar with the True Temperament fret system on it, squiggly frets. And so mm -hmm. I've always been searching for this kind of stuff. And as soon as I tried this, I just thought like, okay, this might be the thing I've been waiting for here. And so back in 2012, I showed it to my tech, Gary Brower, who also is like an, a tuning weirdo and obsessive about intonation and, you know, one of the greatest guitar techs of all time. And so I showed it to him and he'd actually already seen it. Okay. Henry Kaiser had showed it to him, but I brought a guitar oh. to him and he, and I said, go ahead and bend the G string. And I had it set. And I almost don't even want to say this because I'm so tired of people saying like, Oh, you can't bend strings. I'm never doing You can, but I had it set. So you couldn't bend the G string. You could bend it, but it wouldn't change the pitch. And I said, go ahead and bend the G string. And he bent it and he goes, this is that bridge. And I said, this is that bridge. And so Gary is so smart. 
he instantly like takes off the back panel and he's checking it out. He's going like, okay, yeah, I see what they're doing. And I, I get this and I get it. I didn't get it. I thought it was just pure sorcery and magic. And so he kind of like that. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and so Gary said to me that day, do you mind if I borrow this guitar? I kind of want to show it to one of my clients. And I said, I'm sure they would be fine with that. And so I told the Everton guys like, Hey, I can't send the guitar back. My tech's going to give it to Joe Satriani. And they said, we are fine with that. that." And so he showed it to Joe. Joe lost his mind over it, put it on four different guitars. And, and truth be told, it doesn't have all of those guitars anymore. It still uses it, but just for recording parts with, uh, on low tune strings and he loves it. So he's mm-hmm. down to one ever tune guitar, but he's still got one and that's great. Mm-hmm. And he's Joe Satriani and I'm not, so he knows what he needs and that's fine. But um, <laughs> to get back to your question, I, as I said, started talking to them in 2012 and just said, okay, I, I had this sneaking suspicion that print media might not be that healthy. And maybe I need to find out what my next adventure is going to be. And I just said, Let's do this. Let's join forces. We'll take over the world. And you need me. Nobody understands what's going on with this thing. And it was a very new product back then. And so, you know, that was not a, a, an unfair statement. And um, and so I said, I, I'm your guy. I know how guitarists think. And I'm a tuning weirdo. And I'm an intonation dork. And, like, I can, I can do this. I can position this product in a way that is going to be really beneficial to you. And so, you know, they were kind, but they said, well, we're a small company. Don't really have a position. And I said, all right, but I kept using it and I was playing it on my guitar and I'm going, this is amazing. And I'm showing it to people. Everyone is amazed. And I'm going, okay, this, this really could change the game. And I would love to be along for the ride, right? This is something that I truly believe in. It's a passion of mine, not the product even though that's a passion too but just tuning in general and intonation and Mm -hmm. uh, and so i just realized that my guitar would stay in tune for six months and i'm lazy about changing strings right and so and the, the, the the bridge doesn't break a lot of strings so my strings would be six months old and they'd be perfectly in tune they would be dead right so i should change my strings but i didn't have to because they weren't out of tune they would never go out of tune. So I called them back and I said, we should join forces and we should take over the world. And they said, well, you know, we're a small company. We don't really have a position, you know? So I gave it another couple of years. And then I'm on the phone with Cosmos who invented the bridge. And he said, again, we're a small company. We don't really have a position. And I said, it's your company, right? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I am asking you to create a position for me. And he did. And it, it's been, wow. and so that was like three years ago. So I, this, I finally answered your question three years ago. I officially joined forces, but I was a, an advocate and an evangelist for this product since 2012. And, um, and so, you know, doing math in my head, that's 10 years now. And, um, yeah, and so I came on board. Uh, my title is director of market development, very lofty title, but, what I'm doing is trying to develop markets. I'm trying to get this bridge into the consciousness of players in in different styles because the metal guys were early adopters and we still have our strongest foothold 
in the metal community. And I think they're just generally speaking, very open to technology, very interested in pushing the envelope of technological advancements and mm -hmm. all this. You know, a classic rocker that's playing a 57 Strat is not going to route his instrument, put an Evertune bridge on it. And the fact is, we wouldn't right, even right. do that install. We would not let him do that. Right? Yeah. So I get that. But that doesn't mean that the classic rocker can't benefit from this technology. So I just thought like, okay, so the metal guys, we're in with them. They're believers and they really do. They push the narrative and they're, they're so loyal and I love them. But I thought like, okay, so I would never ignore them and never discount that. But I want the blues players and like, Gary and I did a clinic back when people could still do clinics. And so that was like three years ago. And a, a lot of players that came out were jazz players. And it was the first time that I heard like serious professional jazz musicians playing on an Evertune bridge. And so they're playing my rig, my guitar, and playing just beautifully in all these registers. And they all said like, I can't do this on my L5. Like they get way up on the, on the neck and go, this is a no fly zone for me. You know, it's like, I can't, I can't do this. And I just thought like, okay, so that, that's a market that I think could really benefit from the Evertune bridge. Uh, the blues players that are bending strings like crazy, right? Why not have a guitar that is going to come back in tune every single time? And so mm -hmm. I should probably back up and just say that it, what it is, is it's a purely mechanical device. It relies on borderline medieval technology of springs and levers. There are no motors. There's no microchip. There's nothing digital. It's all mechanical. And it maintains constant tension on the strings at all times. And what that means is once it's dialed in, it will not go out of tune for any reason. It will maintain constant tension, which is what tuning is about. What it also means is it'll intonate flawlessly all the way up the neck because the reason guitars can sound out of tune when you get into the upper register isn't because the, the frets are in the wrong place. It's because the string tension isn't right. This corrects for that in real time, but it's, it's almost invisible. You know, it's, there is, there's a subtle change in the feel of the instrument. There's a subtle change in how it bends might kick in, but it can be very, very subtle. But I would never tell pro players that they're not going to perceive a difference in the field because they are. But it's one that I can get over in no time at all. And to be candid, all of my guitars react differently. So I've got, you can't see it here, but I got a Jason Becker guitar up on the wall here with a floating trim. That bends differently than a Les Paul that you might see behind me, which is different than my Brian May guitar that's hanging on the wall there, which has a 24 inch scale and a floating trend, they're all different, right? Mm -hmm. And our job as guitarists is to bend until the note is in tune. And you can do that with Everton. And, and so, so for me, it's, it's the coolest job. It's the most creative work. I get to do actually a lot of stuff I used to do at guitar play. I get to do writing, I interview artists, uh, I get to do like product development, which I didn't do at the magazine, but I've done it for other companies and it's work that I find really gratifying. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, it's incredibly exciting 
work for me. I love all the people on my team. You know, they're just super smart and creative people. And I, I really feel as if we're making the world a better place one one guitar at a time. And no kidding. <laughs> so there you go. That was, what was that? That's not an elevator speech. That would have been the longest elevator ride of your life, you know? So um, anyway, I'll, I'll try and stop babbling. Um, but um, But yeah. Like you've had a chance, you played my Dean Cadillac that had uh, an Evertune bridge on it, but have you had any more experience with the bridge? Like what's your take on this? And what do you make of that, that, that spiel that I just spewed out here? Oh, well, I got to give you some applause. (laughs) I thought, I thought it was awesome. I thought it was great. Uh, And, and no, the, the only guitar I've played is your Dean and, and, uh, I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I remember. Well, I remember when I first saw your 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 Dean. That was at one of those jams that we did. That's right. Uh, at at Soundwave Studios in Oakland. Um, I don't know if the Evertune was on it then. It was. Yeah. It was. Okay. Well, then that yeah, that yeah. Nobody else. Nobody else had a tuner that night. Nobody else tuned up, and so I sounded like I was wrong. I wasn't. I want the record to reflect. I was the guy that was, <laughs> it, it was everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and look at that there's the evertune on 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 a telecaster on a strat you know that exact telly i think is the one you see hanging behind me because this is my company loaner guitar so i think really the exact one yes wow it might be <laughs> that's cool yeah that's kind of cool yeah no that's good that's good. Yeah. And it's just, again, you know, we're, we're making inroads with things, even though the, the product has been around for 10 years, it's almost like people are just over the last few years, sort of figuring out what it is, believing mm-hmm. that it does what we say it does. Um, mm-hmm. And that's all I want people to know is that it does what we say it does. Then they should try it for themselves. And if they don't like it, and some people don't like it, you know, it does change the resonance of the guitar. Uh, in my mind, not in a bad way, but some people are very particular about that. And that's fine. Um, it changes the feel of the guitar. And so to my touch, it's almost like it feels like you went up a string gauge. So nines feel like tens, tens feel like elevens. And some people mm. don't like that. Um, and it's because of what the bridge is doing, right? It, it can't do its mm-hmm. job unless it is doing certain things to the tension of the string. Mm-hmm. But then more and more players are coming around to it. So, you know, like people who love the Evertune and sing its praises are like Steve Miller, Megadeth, uh, Jay Graydon, you know, great jazz guitarist, played the Peg solo with Steely Dan, will not record with anything but an Evertune guitar. Steve Stevens, you know, so a lot of guys named Steve. We're doing really well with Steve. (laughs) I want to branch out to other names, the Steves are working for me right now. So <laughs> temporarily, I may do that. But then a lot of them, a lot of the newer sort of metal and proggy bands like Periphery, Gojira, Trivium, Guthrie um, mm-hmm. Govan has a bridge on a guitar. And even though, you know, what I find is players like Guthrie and Satriani and Steve Vai, they're so specific about what they do and they've done their trip for so, so long, and they're so great at it, that A, they don't need to change anything at all, right? But B, 
they may be, it may be a little bit trickier for them to get out of their comfort zone than players like you and me, who we have a lot of guitars, they're all different. It's like, oh, hey, I kind of enjoy how this is different. You know, a, a player like Brian May, he doesn't want anything different, right? He's played the exact same right. guitar his entire career. That's it. And so I literally the same guitar, literally the same guitar. And so yeah. I don't, it, it didn't bum me out at all when Satriani told me that he had certain misgivings about Everton. And Guthrie told me straight out when he first got it, he didn't like it didn't like what it did to the feel of the guitar and the resonance of the guitar. Then I told him like, man, just see if it works as like a tool for you. Let it play to its strengths. Don't try and make it do everything. And then, you know, get back to me in like two or three weeks. And two weeks later, I get a very well-written email from Guthrie Govan because he's an incredibly smart, articulate guy. And he goes, okay, I have not played any guitar except for my Evertune guitar for the last two weeks. And he said, not because it's my favorite guitar, but because I've become addicted to my ability to get a keeper take on a demo at midnight. And uh, and so he just thought it was brilliant for that. You know, he's not gonna gig with it. He's not gonna cut solos with it. And that's fine, right? That's totally, totally fine. But he saw it mm -hmm. as this valuable tool that can do things that none of his other guitars can do. And he particularly loved the fact that he didn't have to tune up between takes. Do not have to retune. Just keep going. Keep going. You want to layer tunes. I don't think that guy blows that many takes, you know, but if you blow a take, just go. Go again, and it's all fine. And so I wrote him back, and he's just got a great sense of humor. And I said, like, man, I don't know if you're like me, but I do recording late at night. And I also occasionally drink a beer late at night. My timing might be off, but my tuning never is off anymore. And so he wrote back and conceded that yes, he does occasionally here <laughs> late at night when he's recording. Um, but yeah, so to that end, I just did the music for an Evertune commercial that we did, and we put right on the oh, screen cool. that um, it was 25 tracks, more than a hundred takes over the course of a week, and I didn't tune up before the first one. I did not tune up in between any of those 100 takes because I blew a lot of takes on this one. And <laughs> I didn't tune the guitar up the next day. And, and there you go. And so the way it streamlined my life in the recording studio, and Steve Stevens said the same thing, because my entire career, the producer said after every take, check your tuning, check your tuning. And he goes, now nobody says that to me. And it's like, all right, there you go. That's a, that's a pretty good testimony right there. Ah, oh, that's great. That's great. Let me see. Let, let me let me throw the uh, the Evertune link into the chat. So you guys make sure to check out Evertune. And dude, let me show you this this guitar. I'm I'm on your site. I'm on the Evertune site. I I want. I'm interested in this guitar here, man. This I this one this this one looks pretty good to me, man. Oh yeah. What's the story yeah. with that one? Well, I don't know the specific story of that one. This appears to be an install we did. For a customer, I guess, but the one I thought you were going to be calling up is we have a Bumblebee guitar with an Evertune. Oh, and it's I we did some Facebook post about it, and I said I know it seems weird to see a Van Halen guitar without a trem on it, but remember half of Van Halen one was recorded on a guitar with no trem, so mm, there is that's true for Van Halen tracks that do not have a tremolo on. And so this one, 
I honestly have no idea. I don't know what the deal is. I, I probably if I talk to our operations guy, he could tell me what the history is on that one. But yeah, Look at that. that's a Johnny Bean guitar right there. That's got Johnny Bean written all over it. That that does that does because yeah, that looks like uh, like an Axis body or who knows what that is. it could be a, a warmth. It could be a warmth, and then you know who knows what they would put in there. What would you put in for pickups? And would you go with two pickups or would you go with just the bridge humbucker? I'd go with two pickups, but look, there's no volume knob on there. There's no, there's nothing. There's nothing. So you, so you just could pour, full you just volume pour. the entire time or you would have to install a couple knobs on that one. Is there even a pickup in there? What? No, I don't think there is. <laughs> and so what this was, was an install for somebody who was going to finish the build after the fact. Oh but man. They, they wanted the Evertune bridge in there first. They want it on there first. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, That's we do a lot of these for people. And um, and then, you know, we just got a request from a builder where he wanted us to do the install. But then he said he was going to take it out because he was going to do all the paint and finish and electronics after the fact. And we said, OK, you you do you. You know, there's no there's no problem with that. And um, but then a lot of people just send us their guitars and they want us to install the bridge. We will. Uh, there are talented luthiers all over the world that are capable of installing Evertune bridges, although, you know, they need to know what they're doing. This is not a simple install at all. Mm -hmm. But, um, mm -hmm. but you know, Gary Brower did all my installs and he's done a bunch of them. This great builder down in LA, friend Askin, he has done, I think he's done like 500 Evertune installs and, you know, a fistful of them were for Steve wow. Stevens. And he he works on a lot of heavy players guitars and he he's all in on Everton. And he said, and God, I hope he's right. He goes, I think it could be as big as Floyd Rose. And I said, All right, please let that happen, right? <laughs> That's awesome. And here's why, I, here's why I know that won't happen. Because I actually I interviewed Floyd <laughs> when I was a guitar player, and he described to me the perfect storm that happened when he invented his bridge. And he said, mm -hmm. it was the right product with the biggest artist in the world, Eddie Van Halen, with mm -hmm. the, and the music that wanted this product was the most popular music on the radio. And he goes, you'll never find a confluence of those factors again. And, and we have no hope of that, but if we can get mm -hmm. one, tenth of one percent of what floyd did well then okay there's some market development for you right i've done my job if we can do that so um <laughs> and, and honestly oh despite the fact that i have i have a good network and i'm i think i'm a good spokesperson for this and um i know the industry i i can take no credit for the development of the everton bridge right that's my boss cosmos lyles who is just an incredibly smart guy who saw a problem that had existed for a hundred years and he solved it and and he never stops thinking about this stuff you know he's never satisfied with something he's always conceiving like a better mousetrap and we mm -hmm. did a we did an event back in december and larry fishman was there and i'm a huge larry fishman fan right i think that guy's just a super genius and has I forget how many, 35 patents to his name or something, you know, so he's a true legend in the industry and he's a big Evertune guy, right? He's a big Cosmos guy. 
And so he and I were just sitting there at the bar having a beer. And he goes, I still don't get it. I've, I've examined this thing and I don't get it. I think it's sorcery. I think it's fucking black magic. I don't know how he does what he does. <laughs> it's like, all right, there you go. If Larry Fishman can't figure it out, then maybe none of us can. And yet it works. Here we are. <laughs> hey, hey, that, that, those are some some big names. And and uh, if, if they're they're using them and they, and they love them. I mean, it's I yeah, mean, it, it's again, it's exactly what we want. And I'm I don't take it the least bit for granted. And yet I'm not surprised. Right. And yet we. I, I had a great hang with Paul Reed Smith many years ago, and he told me, I never expect people to buy my guitars. And I laughed in his face, and I said, of course you do. I like, no, I don't. And I don't know if you know him, but like he can have this real sort of childlike innocence mm -hmm. about him. And he goes, I don't. I really don't. And he says, all I want is for people to try them. And if they don't like them, that's fine. And then he said, and this is the most brilliant metaphor, and I've used this so many times in my job with Evertune. He goes, it's like getting a dog. Because the dog walks up to you, and that's either your dog or it's not your dog. Do you know what I mean? Right. And I said, mm -hmm. I'm a cat person, but I know exactly what you mean. And it was so cool, and it was just such a valuable lesson, you know. And I'm a huge fan of Paul. You know, it's like, I just, I, I think he's, he's awesome. He's done stuff that nobody else has done. And I really have tried to apply that where it's like, if, if a cat walks up to you and it's not your cat, you, I actually get my feelings hurt, but you can't take it personally because you know the beautiful feeling when a cat walks up to you and it is your cat, right? And this is my cat. And like, yeah. we're, we're going to be together forever. And many players, when they try an Evertune Bridge under the right circumstances go, oh my gosh, this is what I've been waiting for. This is, this is my thing. Then there are those who don't and it's like, all right. And, and, you know, I may have a slight twinge of, of you know, uh, disappointment or something, but basically all I do is go, all right, tell me why I want to know why. And mm -hmm. the stuff I get from certain players is again, things I've already referenced, right? Like, man, it just doesn't feel the same. Right. Well, I don't, I don't care about that. I never expect a guitar to feel the same as another guitar. I just want to know, like, is this something that I can, that I can use? Is this a valuable musical tool for me? Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and Does go that would a guitarist, do, do you have to change? Do you have to alter your style to play a guitar with an Evertone? Well, as I already referenced, it's the bends are going to, bends and vibrato are going to feel a little bit different. And so then before I fully answer your question, I will hit you with a question, right? Which you're not supposed to do okay. answer a question with a question, but do you have to alter your style on a guitar with floating trim versus a guitar with a tunematic? Yes. Yes, you do. We all do, right? Yeah, Depending sure. to note on like my Jason Becker guitar, it's much more rubber bandy than on a, a, a Les Paul with a tunematic, right? Right. And yet the guitar's so right. awesome, you don't care that you have to do that. And what you do is you bend a little bit more aggressively. That's what I feel like I do with an Evertune guitar. I don't want to overstate this, but I also don't want to, I don't want to dismiss the question and I don't want to act like 
there's not a difference because there is. What I find is I bend just a little bit more aggressively. I apply vibrato a little bit more aggressively. It, it, to me, it's very natural. I got used to it in five seconds because you play to the sound, right? You're just doing what you have to do. But for the system to do its job, there needs to be a very, very subtle amount of latency. And that's a wrong term because there's no digital stuff, but there's a slight lag between when you do the bend and when the bend kicks in. It can be so subtle that it's almost imperceptible, but I'm still gonna say to all the pro players out there, almost imperceptible. It's perceptible. Like, I know it's there, but I don't care. I just did a gig the other day and like, all I do is I bend until the note is in tune, right? And I'm not necessarily concerned with how long that takes or whatever, you know? It, from a musical standpoint, it doesn't throw me at all. It, what, it, what might throw people is from a purely analytical standpoint, which some people mm -hmm. can never get beyond, you know? But I don't think that's music. I, and so for me, it's like, all right, you know, we all have to, you know, you remember when Floyd came out and there were so many players who said, oh, I would never use that. I would never use that. Okay, then don't use it. That's fine. You know what? A lot of people did use the Floyd and they did a lot of really, really cool stuff with it. And so, so that's my answer is, you know, does the Evertune bridge change the feel of the guitar? Yeah, like a lot of cool products do, right? A Bigsby. Right. You know, the Floyd oh. is the easiest one to say, but, you know, Bigsby's are in many ways a pain in the ass. And you, you play the right guitar with a Bigsby on it and you're going like, okay, this might be the vibiest guitar I've ever played. You know, this yeah. is cool. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, yeah, let's say going from a Floyd to a Bigsby because that's, I'm, I'm kind of known as like a Floyd, a Floyd dude, but, but also right. I play, I play hardtail. I play all, I play everything. And, and I love, let's say Gretsch, you know, anything like that. And if it had a Bigsby, sure. I would have a lighter touch on the tram. Yeah. I, I, you're, you're not going cra as crazy with it because right. first of all, you, you can't, you can't, yep. it's not the yeah. same. It's just, well, it's just again, different. You're allowing the instrument to play to its strengths. No one instrument can do everything. Right. So my humbucker guitars right. can't do what that telly can do and mm -hmm. vice versa. And I mm -hmm. kind of love that. I love this. And the the idea that they have their strengths. I, I do like the idea of a, a Swiss Army knife guitar. And so my next Evertune guitar is going to have a truckload of pickups, a bunch of different switching options on it. It'll have an Evertune bridge. I'm going to string it with eights that are going to feel like nines. And it's going to be the most amazing guitar in the world. And I, I bet you five bucks I never do a recording session on any guitar other than that one if I can truly realize it, right? But then... I'm not getting rid of my Brian May guitar or my Les Paul or that Frankenstein guitar that's back there. And it's like, I love all these guitars. I love them all, but I typically yeah. record with my Evertune guitars and I typically gig with them. So, um, and so there's that. So, so there you go. I swear that's when great. you and I talked like a week ago, I said, I'm not going to just babble about Evertune. Don't worry. <laughs> Sorry, I, lied. I, lied. I lied to you. I'm babbling about it. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We 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 can push the Evertune. I mean, that's that's. that's I mean, I don't I'm know. Sure I'm sure. I'm sure they'll they'll dig that. You know, and 
And, you know, I, I want to try one again. I think, yeah. when, I mean, we're still, we're not too far from each other. Maybe oh, we yeah. both ha- we've both had COVID now. So we can, we can get together. We can get sure together. I, I'd, I'd love to play your guitar and, yeah. and do, you know, do no, a, a, a video. Kick you down an Everton guitar, let you do some recording with it and see what you think. And again, you can give it to me straight. And uh, I would love your unvarnished opinion. That'd be great. Yes. That that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's see what do you okay. First of all, let me say let's say it's been almost an hour. Let let's say hello to some people in the chat here. Yes, please. We, we got we got Tim Thomas. There's we got Thomas. Symmetry. We got Megatod seven oh seven. We got William DeSalva. Let's see. Are they working on a system that can go in a Strat style guitar as a mod? That's, that's the system. We already got it. No way yeah. necessary. Yeah, it looks like there's a. If you go, if you go to the website, it looks like there's a bunch yep. of Strats. We got a bunch of Strats, and bunch um, of... I I don't have a Strat. My my uh, company loaner Strat with the Nevertune bridge on it is on loan to um, the company Fender right now, and so I'm hoping they love it. Uh, when they put that guitar through its paces. So we'll see. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Awesome. I love that company. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Let's see. By the way, once when we get off the air here, I, I got something I want to ask you, actually, which okay. is pretty cool. Wow. I don't want to have this conversation on the air, but um, it'll be good. It'll be good. It'll cool. be good. Uh, so p- please remind me if I forget. I'll, tr- I'll try not to. No problem. Uh, let's see. Who else? Who else is watching us tonight? Uh, let's see. Guitar Man 45 is here. Alonzo is here. Oh, Randy Monroe from Facebook. Come hang at Fleet Hello, Week with the Blue Angels. Man. We'll use the Oakland airship. Jeff will be there. Oh, so Jeff Watson will be there? Hey, there you go. We got to go. We got to go. When is that? When is Fleet Week? Is, is that soon? Maybe that's a question I cannot answer. Man, we got we got to figure that out. I want to go. We got Mike Nice. Let's see. We got uh, we got Michael B. And I'm scrolling. We have a lot of people here. Zach, Zach is here. Mike Olson. Uh, let's see. Everybody, say hi in the chat. Everybody Howdy, that's Mike. watching us. I'll say hi right now. Everybody, say hello. Everybody, say hello. We got Joseph. Joseph is here. Awesome. Awesome. Let's see. Let's see. So we talked to Evertune. Um, let's see. Well, let's just like, you know, you were here before you were here. I think it was last. Was it last year? Maybe or yeah, or earlier in the year or, yeah, it or something. It's hey, Norm. A minute ago. Guitar Addiction for Life. Welcome. So the last time you were here, we talked about some of this. But uh, for those of you who don't know, Matt Black, uh, let, well, t- let, let me explain how we, we actually met, okay? And I don't know if you remember this. I remember, though, uh, I was showing up. Uh, we have mutual friends that, that ran a, uh, a guitar. It wasn't a guitar thing. It was a jam, a jam in Oakland, California at Soundwave Studios. Uh, and at the time it was in a couple, it was in the old, what was known as the Testament room, I think. And that became the third eye blind room, I think. I think you're um, 
And then for a while it was out like in the main, there was a stage that was built in the old, the old entrance where you used to walk in years, like 20 years ago, you used to walk in. The entrance is now around the corner and you have to walk all the way around to get to this room, but there's a little stage in there. We would jam in there. But when we first started doing those jams, we have another friend named Matt and, and he had a, uh, a, a Frankenstein guitar that somebody built and, and he was show, I, I walk in and he's showing it to you. And this, this is when we first met you and I met, I had already known Matt Carmela is his name. I already knew him. So, so I, I walk in, I see him talking to you and I walk over to you guys and, and I'm like, I'm like, you're Matt Blackett. Like I knew you from guitar player magazine. So, <laughs> so I do remember that. And that was, that was a great night. And that was just a great series of jams. They, uh, it didn't yeah. last as long as I would have liked. And, uh, but it, we, there were some epic moments there. And yeah, and so Matt Caramelli, he's a, a friend. And Dave Lopez is the guy who actually was driving most of that stuff. Yep. Big Al at Soundwave, you know, I love him. He's a great musician. And so it was cool. There was a lot of talent that would show up there. And uh, yeah, there were some fun times. I'm trying to think. I played a Jeff Beck tune there one time. Orion Salazar was there and he asked me to work up. Um, what's the rush tune off signals uh, analog kid. And so we played that. I played. Oh, wow. Van Halen there with Amir Zitro, who's just a great bass player. And uh, yeah, there was good stuff. And then I remember we, that we were doing a Montrose benefit there. Ronnie Montrose had just passed away. And so we played some Montrose tunes and we killed them, just crushed them. And then wow. um, Davy Jones from the Monkees had died around that same time. And I said, hey, I know we're here to celebrate Ronnie. I'd like to do a Davy Jones tribute. Can you guys do a Daydream Believer, you know, Kia G? And they all said, yeah. They all lied to me. None of them could do Daydream Believer. <laughs> so I'm playing it. I'm trying to sing it. It's like, okay, no, this this is not a fitting tribute to Davy Jones. God rest his soul. <laughs> yeah, so that was funny. Oh, I wonder if I was there for, for that, man. I was there for a lot of that stuff. That was before. That was, we're going back uh, 10 I'm, years. Yeah, it's 10 years. I think you're right. 10 years ish. That was before I lived down here. I was living in, uh, I think, I think Walnut Creek at the time. So I would make the drive over there. You know, you just drive through the Caldecott, you know, and then you're, you're there. It's it's very easy. They only had three boars on the Caldecott in those days, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. Now, now it's like you're driving in there. It's like a spaceship or something. I love that fourth floor. All this, all this cool stuff. Yep. Um, that is indeed how we met, though. And then our paths kept crossing because I'd see you at Jason Becker's birthday party. And that's the first like yeah. first long conversation I think we had because we were standing there in the kitchen and I posed the question like, all right, so how do you rank the Van Halen records? You know, and I think we were just keeping it to the Dave records so that we could all talk about this. And it was very. So no fights broke out. No fights. It was a spirited discussion. We're in the kitchen. And we were in the kitchen. And it's, again, it's like your zodiac sign. It doesn't define you, but it says a lot about you as to what your favorite Van Halen record is. And then what your, and I don't even want to say least favorite, but like something needs to come in number six out of those first six records, right? And so, and so, 
that was very interesting. And I remember I took so much heat at that party because my number six was women and children first. And people are going like, ah, oh, I can't believe it, you know, and they're just judging me so harshly. And I'm going, something needs to come in last, right? And who am I going to bump on this? Like, what do you want to be my number six record? You know, Diver Down? Sorry. No. And I love women and children first. Of course I do. We all do, right? Yeah. But yes. it ain't no fair warning. It's not Van Halen 1, you know, so where is it going to be in that? in that lineup and so it was a very very interesting discussion for me and i actually just really like those kind of discussions and in fact i thought before i got on here with you i'm gonna say like i'm more comfortable being the interviewer than the interviewee right so i'm the guy who throughout my career has asked the questions so my question to you would be i have a sneaking suspicion who your favorite guitarist is um and it's actually the same as my favorite guitarist. And I'm going to just out myself as a complete Van Halen dork here. I have my pajamas on right now. And this is what my pants look like. Okay? So oh, my God. I'm dressed. Yeah, don't zoom in too close. I might not be or anything. But this is how I'm dressed. Okay? So, so we know who our favorite guitarist is. I want to put you on the spot, Mr. Johnny Bean, and just go, okay, who are your top okay. five guitarists who are not? named edward van halen top five and you know uh, whatever just i just think i think i i can do a few of those mm-hmm. uh well i mean next to edward van halen the other person that really changed things for me was this guy named andy summers okay from a band called the police and it's funny how you mentioned henry kaiser earlier because when i i went to see andy he played kimball's what was it called? It wasn't Kimball's East, Kimball's West in, in Emeryville. What was that place called? Kimball's East. Was it called East? Yeah, because we're East here. This is the East. Oh, oh they say so the original one is in San Francisco then? Maybe. We called it Kimball's East for sure. So Kimball's East. Okay. Yeah. I went and saw Andy Summers play at Kimball's East like three days in a row. And I got to talk to him and and, and it was just amazing. So Johnny Bean. I love this. But one of those one of those shows I was at, I was sitting in the front row in two seats from me was was henry kaiser okay watching watching yeah. andy play and i think andy said oh that he mentioned he's in the audience and he like waved yeah you know to, to everybody and henry kaiser um, the guy who showed the evertune bridge gary brower yes love you yes yes and he's yes he's a great musician and just a really fascinating guy in his own right too mm-hmm. all right so mm-hmm. andy summers great pick okay so Go on. Andy Summers changed things for me. Um, Another guy named Andy, Andy Taylor. Okay. If you remember Andy Taylor, Duran Duran, he was known as, but also the Power Station. Yes, I'm a fan. Um, And he played on those Belinda Carlisle hits, too, that I actually really enjoyed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he might have produced them, too, possibly. He did a lot of that stuff. A lot of that stuff. Um, and by the way, happy birthday to his his daughter Georgie. Her birthday was a couple, I think, yesterday. Wow! Actually. So this is deep knowledge. Then we're Facebook friends. We're Facebook. No, I didn't know where this question yes. was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. So we got we got Andy Summers, Andy Taylor. Let's see another guy. Oh, again, see a lot of these people. They really changed things for me. Uh, Tom Morello. Oh, boy. Tom Morello, Rage That's Against the Machine. Huge fan. Again, yep. 
just and change. Dude, nobody just, like him. Nobody like him. This nobody like him. So right. It's this is it's very revealing because believe it or not, even though we've known each other a long time, I don't think we've ever had this discussion. And no. and I get it. Like you're now, I'm starting to triangulate like your guitar vision here, and it's awesome. This is great. All right, keep going. I don't want to cut you off. <laughs> Uh, who else? Who else? Uh, I would, I would look through my CD collection, but I don't even listen to CDs anymore. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even have any CDs. Uh, my iPod is from like 15 years ago and, I, and it's, it only works in the car. I admitted straight out. I was putting you on the spot, you know? So, um, <laughs> so this is good. I, um, I dig it. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you my list. Uh, you know, Edward Van Halen is number one. And it's it's not even all that close. He's the guy. He's my hero. But actually closer than you might think. Number two is Brian May, for sure. Right. And just I've always loved mm-hmm. him. Really dig him as a person. And he's just a constant source of inspiration for me. And then it's like a hundred way tie for the third spot between people like Jimi Hendrix and Randy Rhodes, Alex Lifeson. Neil Sean, Michael Schenker, Jimmy Page, um, and, and Paul Simon. You know, I mean, it's just I love so many players. Uh, but from purely a guitar standpoint, the the top two are way beyond everybody else. Even though I've, I've binged hard on Hendrix and uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy Page, I went through a huge Zeppelin thing way late in life. You know, not as a kid. I, when I was a kid. I, I loved Led Zeppelin and I knew how to play a lot of Led Zeppelin songs, but I, I got so sick of people telling me that Jimmy Page was better than the guys I like, which would be like Eddie Van Halen and Michael Schenker and all this. And I'm just going like, nah. and so there was a backlash from that, you know, and now as an old man, I really try hard not to tell younger players that the guys I like are better than the guys they like, you know, because it just it never works. Right. It's it, kids don't like that. But I grew to love Jimmy Page's songwriting and production and guitar playing, you know, just amazing riffs, amazing parts. Um, Stevie Ray Vaughan. I went through a big Stevie Ray face. Jeff Beck, I should mention, you know, that again, always loved him. But I saw him on my birthday, April 18th, 1999. And within the first five seconds, I looked to my brother who was sitting there with me and I said, this is the best guitar playing I've ever heard in my life. And he goes, this is the best guitar playing I've ever heard in my life. I was five seconds into the show. Okay. And every single time I've seen Jeff Beck has been exactly like that. So from a live standpoint, yeah, the Fair Warning Tour and Van Halen 2 Tour and a bunch of Van Halen Tours, those are still my favorite guitar shows. But Jeff Beck has done things I've just never believed a human being could do. You know, it's amazing. And and strangely, I don't spin wow. the records. I don't I don't listen to the records so much. I like them. I hear a Jeff Beck tune crop up on my phone. I always listen to it. It's all good. It's not one one million of what happens when you see the guy live. And so, so I really do love him. And like, as an adult he's the guy that's made the biggest impression on all these other guys are kind of from my youth a little bit, you know, Van Halen, I saw when I was 14 years old or something for the first time and I was hooked and um, Brian May, I didn't see back then, but I absolutely obsessed over queen records and his guitar parts. 
and I have ever since then. But you, you get to be a certain age, you get kind of jaded, you kind of think like, eh, I, I know what's good and what's not good. And I know, I know everything there is to know in the world. And then I went to see Jeff Beck in 1999. <laughs> like, I don't know anything. I don't know where have I been. You know, I just have my head up my ass. <laughs> and so it's very liberating for me to um to realize that. And um, it's funny you mentioned Andy Summers because it took. I always I always liked him. I always knew he was great. And I like police tunes and everything. But when the police hit, I was very tribalistic about my about everything, right? And if it wasn't exactly what I loved, I had to hate it, right? And so it wasn't heavy rock, and so it must suck, and I need to hate it. And so I didn't actively hate it, but I kind of passively hated all that stuff. Well, my wife is a huge police fan. She's been into them since the first record and um, saw them back in the day wow. and all this kind of stuff. So then when, when the police got back together and they played... I guess it was the Grammys. We're watching it there. And within, again, within the first five seconds, I realized this is the difference between a real band and all those other bands, right? This is a real band and this is amazing. And I don't think it was necessarily one of their better performances or whatever, but I was absolutely transfixed by it. And so they went on tour. And so of course we're going to go, right? And so she said to me, do you want to, like listen to some police tunes just to sort of get ready for the show. And I said, yeah, but here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to play me anything that got played on the radio. Don't play any of the hits. I know the hits. You play me the B-sides and the deep tracks and all this. And so even some of the deep tracks are were still kind of hits probably. I just didn't know them nearly as well as I knew Roxanne. And, uh, they have well, several uh, hits. Yeah. Well, they had many, many hits. <laughs> The, the tunes that really floored me, and this was a transformational night, we're listening to all these songs, and it would be like um, Walking in Your Footsteps. And um, Walking on the Moon was a big tune, but I hadn't heard it in years, and so I'm listening to that. But then I'm listening to a lot of other tunes that basically didn't get played on the radio. And once again, it was the difference between a real band and every other band in the world. This was a real band, and like I sort of had thought like they were overproduced or something right too slick no they were they weren't overproduced at all a lot of these tracks are very raw They're, back in the day yeah and they were back in and, back and in the amazing back in the day their, their albums they got more slick as they went on i mean like synchronicity is like super slick everything but before that though raucous. synchronicity is still pretty raw pretty raucous and they're, mm -hmm. they take a lot of chances on those tunes. And it it's, you know, when I say overproduced, it's certainly not auto-tuned. It's not on the grid. It's not on any grid at all. Like, Stewart didn't play to a grid. And, um, right. and it was amazing. But you're right. Early records, super raw. I fell in love with it. We went to see uh, the, the first tour where they played the Oakland Stadium. And it was amazing. But then we saw them in Concord on Stewart's birthday and it was a much smaller crowd and they were even better. That was and his then, birthday. Yeah. That was Stewart's birthday that day. I was and there. I was, I was at both those shows. It was an amazing show. So you may remember Elvis Costello opened the show and he's playing my favorite Elvis Costello tune, Allison. And a dude walks out on stage dressed all in white. And I said, is that sting? 
And sure enough, it was Sting. He just stood in the back and he sang the harmonies and then he walked off. They didn't introduce him. He didn't do any fanfare. And I'm going, okay, so he might be the coolest guy of all time. You know, that was mind boggling. And then months later, we did a guitar player event, one of those guitar superstar competitions. And yes. I was supposed to host the dinner for all the judges, right? And so it's like, it's an amazing thing. It's like this sort of like yeah, high school, college dream come true. It's a dinner and seated at the table with me. I'm the only guitar player guy there is Elliot Easton, Steve Vai, Joe Satriani, George Lynch. Uh, Nuno Betancourt may have been there. And then... Oh, hang uh, on. Hang and on, I've got, a, I've got I've got a... I usually show, anytime his name gets mentioned, I show this. Picture. Oh yeah, there you go. And so what a there great shot. And so, <laughs> and so I was telling my wife, like, I hope I get to sit next to Andy. I hope I get to sit next to Andy. It was in, I guess in San Francisco and I got stuck in traffic. So I showed up late, like an incredible faux pas, right? Oh, I get there. No. Everyone is seated at the table. The only open seat is next to Andy Summers. And so I sit down, I make my apologies. Sorry, sorry, sorry. You know, and I, I knew most of the guys from before. I, I had at least met them. Never met Andy before. And you've met him. And so, you know, he's the nicest guy. He was so cool. And um, and I, I told him about those shows. And he confirmed that it was Stuart's birthday there. And I asked him, like, why didn't you play the telly more? You know, why, why do you play the Strat? And like all these crazy questions. I just never thought I'd be able to ask him. And it was so cool. And then a funny story from that one is Elliot Easton was there on the other side of me. And the topic turns to Eddie Van Halen. And he said, I would rather listen to James Burton tune his guitar than listen to Eddie Van Halen play. And I said, okay, take that back right now. He goes, no, I'm not going to take it back. I would rather listen to James Burton tune his guitar than hear Eddie Van Halen play. And I said, I can't believe you're saying that. And Andy said, I can't believe it either. And so I said, okay. And and I know Ellie, right? Like we're friends, you know, but this is probably a couple beers in. And I said, you take that back right now, or I'm going to bring a very tanned and well-muscled George Lynch over here. And he's going to beat your ass. A, it was super hilarious. He never took it back. We remained friends. And so I guess that's the, 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 Man, well, I I've got a story similar to that. I got to watch Andy eat dinner one time. Okay, I love it. I was I, I was at one of those Kimball's East shows, and I got there super early, and I was sitting in my seat waiting, and I look over, and he's sitting in the back eating. Yeah. So I got to watch him eat, but I acted like I I wasn't watching him because that's kind of weird, right. you know. But I actually got to sit there and watch. He was like, yeah. No, that's awesome. <laughs> that's like that, that's a, up there with the Seinfeld episode where. Joe DiMaggio was there in the coffee shop dunking his donuts, you know, and they they talked about that. So yeah, I love that. do you remember what he ate? Was he getting the sushi there? What did he have? I mean, he wasn't that close, so I, I couldn't actually see what he was eating. I just saw that he was eating. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what what he had, but you didn't go like scavenge anything that was left there after he walked away from the table or anything. No. Because I didn't want to lose my seat. Because I was sitting directly in the front row, directly oh, in front right. of where he would have been later. Yes, so you got to be there. So, right. so I didn't. I didn't want to lose my seat. I, I that's didn't good. Wanna... 
That's awesome. Want to learn that? I, uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to lose that. Uh, but uh, dude, let's let's talk a little bit. Let's talk more police really quickly, man, because this okay. this is awesome. Um, I was at those same shows, Oakland uh, Coliseum uh, or Stadium, right? Yeah, they call it the Coliseum, though, right? Yeah, but it's a stadium. Yeah, it's where the A's play, where the Raiders used to play. The police drew a little bit better than what the Oakland Athletics are drawing these days. It was it was pretty big. It was, it, it was it probably was like 80,000 people or something. I mean, it was, it was, it, it was a pretty big show, too. Yeah. Yeah. The Oakland the show. show. I was I was up in the nosebleeds there. I, I forget where I was, but at the show in Concord, the Concord show was was after, right? Yes. Did you go? Was. You went to both the, the Concord. Concord yeah, it was, like, later. it was a year later. It, it was it was like the next year. So I'm friends with with Andy's like right hand man, like the guy that that does all his teching, the guy that runs the studio, everything. So I mentioned to him, I'm like, well, I'm going to be at this show, you know, and he's like, well, tell me what your seat. Tell me where you're sitting. So, so what happens is, uh, so he, his name is Dennis. So he, he comes and he finds me before the show and he brings me like a handful of guitar picks. Whoa. He brings, he brings me some drumsticks that are used, oh which actually I have. I'll, I'll show you. I've, I've got okay. I'd love to right see them here. Right here. Okay. So he brings me, he brings me two, two of these. These drumsticks, love it, and they're and they're used totally. Like you can yeah. see that, right? From him just whacking on the snare drum, doing those like sort of um, <laughs> whatever you're gonna call them. It's a rim shot in or something, you know, the Stewart thing. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so Dennis, so he brings me these. He brings me some. He brings me the set list. So I knew what all the songs. I was the only guy in the whole audience that knew That's what amazing. they were gonna do. You know, he brings me some passes, but they weren't like for that night. They were like previously. But um, and so anyway, it's an amazing show. Just totally just incredible. And then like like a year later, Stuart Copeland puts out a book and he does a book signing at Amoeba on Hate Street. So I go and the video is actually on my channel here. I'll link it if I can remember okay. up, up yeah. there. So so I, I go and I buy the book, but I also I take him the stick. And, and I'm like, hey, you know, I got this. You know, this is from one of your shows. And he's like, yeah, that's mine. And he, and he signed it for me. Hey, I love this. This is awesome. So. That's great. So I'm a I'm huge fan. Yeah. Huge fan. Um, but uh, some, something uh, about, about, about the police, about that tour, actually, was when they got together, they didn't just relearn the songs as they were back in the day. They actually totally re um, ar they arranged all the songs. Yeah, they were they were different. If you remember, "Walking on the Moon" didn't sound the same. I mean, they were just all they 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 kind of almost sounded they they sounded like like Sting, like more like Sting type songs. Yeah, I know what you mean, and yet they didn't rearrange them to the extent that like a a more recent fan like me would be bummed out because I can get bummed out if somebody doesn't do like a legit version of one of their hit songs. The tunes still sounded like the tunes to me. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know more about it than I do, but like, I, I love the way they arranged them. And so maybe you can tell me more. Did they do, is it beyond just stretching them out, stretching out solo sections? What were yes. they? Breakdowns or. And hey, Alina, Alina, welcome from Norway. Norway. 
I got, got family Norway. in Norway. Say hi to them for me. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, let's see. They um, th The songs were slower. They weren't as fast. The, so the tempo was a little slower. Yeah, but and... I, that's okay. Because if you watched, like, I guess it was um, Andy's movie, right? What What was the um, one? It's like the eyes are on us or eyes or something. The movie that he did? Uh, that was, that was, uh, I went like, they actually sent me tickets for that. The company. They actually, oh I God, actually, look at you. Well, you know I more actually went. But there's a scene in that movie where they're kind of screaming at each other because the tunes are too fast. Because I don't know this for a fact, but maybe there might have been a little bit of cocaine before the show. It's just purely speculation on my show, but <laughs> that sounded like a very coked up tempo. And this, <laughs> you're right. With this one, they, not many bands can do this, but the greatest bands all can do this. They can play a tune slower than the recorded version and it gets better. Whereas with mm -hmm. almost everybody else, it gets worse and it gets boring or whatever. But the bands that can truly groove can do that. And it makes it like 10 times more powerful. And I think you're right. I think they did have a couple tunes that might have been just a little bit slower. And it made them better. It was all slower. Every, everything, everything was slower. Everything was more like stingified, I guess, if that's mm -hmm. the word. I mean, well, even though Sting wrote the shots, you know, even though even though Sting wrote all those songs anyway, they were they they sounded more like Sting's solo renditions of of the tunes. But it was Andy and Stewart, so it was the Police. Yeah, and yeah. it was great. And I get that, and I'll take you at your word because you're you're much deeper into this than me. If it was still a three piece band, right? So they're still like raw and there was still so much space yes. in the sound. That's another thing that really blows me away. And, and Sting solo records have a lot of space too, even though they're much bigger bands. And, and I've grown to love those because it's just like such monster players. And he's just so, he's just so good. And like, did you see the Sting and Peter Gabriel tour? No, I, I didn't. Oh. Okay. So this, here's, here's just the only time when I might be able to one up you on this. <laughs> we went to that. They played in San Jose and it was Sting and Peter Gabriel and like my old guitar teacher and a great friend of mine, Lyle Workman, he's he's played with Sting oh, cool. a bunch. And um, and so I we got tickets to the show and I said, Man, are you on this tour? And he goes, I wish, you know. And I'm thinking, yeah, you know, he wants to play with Sting again. Okay. It wasn't just that. You hear Sting and Peter Gabriel, you assume it's gonna be a Sting set. And a Peter Gabriel set, they're probably going to get together for like two songs or whatever. And they'll probably flip-flop who headlines every other night, right? And um, and so I, I just thought like, okay, it's going to be awesome. I love them all, and this is going to be great. That's not what it was. Both bands were on stage the entire night, okay? Meaning you've got Vinnie Colaiuta on drums for Sting. You got um, whoever Peter Gabriel's monster drummer is, and I should know this. You got Sting on bass. You got Tony Levin on bass. You got Dominic Miller on guitar um, for Sting. And you got whichever monster was on guitar for Peter Gabriel. And I, I'm embarrassed I don't remember. But, you know, we all know who these people are. Then, when it's a Peter Gabriel tune, you got Sting on background vocals. When it's a Sting or a Police song, you got Peter Gabriel on background vocals for the whole freaking night. So they, they all played the entire played. time together? They all played the entire time. And it was mind-boggling. It was not at all busy or cluttered or whatever. It was the greatest thing you've ever heard. 
And this they, was at the Shark Tank. This was at the Shark Tank. <laughs> and um, then I missed it. Dang. They each took a vocal from the other guy's catalog. So Sting sang not Sledgehammer, but something like Sledgehammer. No, he did sing Sledgehammer, but Tony Levin let Sting play bass on Big Time, one of Tony Levin's most famous bass oh, man. Line, right? So it was that. And then, um, no, Sting might have sang Shock the Monkey. So my recollections are dim, but it was like, well, whatever. You see where I'm going with this, right? It was amazing. And there was so much respect for everyone on stage. And I know I'm bumming you out that you missed the show, but it was it was an oh. unbelievable occurrence. I've never seen anything like it. And it was the coolest thing, coolest thing ever. And if I could have seen him 10 more times, I would have. I swear. I, I would have followed him around like the freaking Grateful Dead. Man. Yeah. I sh I sh man, I should have gone to that. I, I saw Peter Gabriel back in 92. They did that the WOMAD Festival at Golden yep. Gate Park. Mm -hmm. So I was there for that. And then aside from seeing uh, the police in Oakland and and uh, Concord in 07 and 08, I saw Sting at Berkeley Community Theater in 99. Wow, there's a show. I got in free because a friend of mine at the time was an usher. So I, I ushered with them and we let showed people their seats. You're Johnny. And then, and then we sat there and watched the show for free. Yeah. That's amazing. No, totally amazing. And um, yeah, I just... It's so inspiring for me to, what I always say is, I don't like being wrong, but I do like being pleasantly surprised, you know, but then I've had to admit straight out, I was totally wrong about the police back in 1985. And I was totally wrong about some of these other people. And I'm glad to be wrong. You know, it's like, I, it's, I don't like being wrong in my day to day. Uh, exactly. Um, but, um, but mm -hmm. those are things we, I found it so inspiring to discover this stuff 25 years after the fact i felt yeah stupid that i didn't get it the first go around but at least i'm getting it now but then what's so funny is because i'm i'm a guy in the industry i've done a couple things and i i have made a career based on something along the lines of i kind of know what i'm talking about and to, to be so wrong and to miss the boat so hard on things that are so obvious is kind of hilarious. And so I talked to a friend who I've known for decades and he just said, you know, what are you listening to these days? And I said, I'm listening to this band out of England. It's a three piece band. They're called the police, but it's not what you think. They're not, they're not policemen. They're not law enforcement officers. <laughs> they're a band. And I said, if you like good music, you should check these guys out. And he goes like, I think I might check them out. And it's like, I remember, Plugging, I got a I got a tube screamer reissue when I was at guitar player, and this is you know whatever 15 years ago or something, and I had a Fender Princeton here, and so I plug my Strat into the tube screamer into the Fender Princeton, and I'm just loving the tone. And this same friend, it's the same guy, and he's going like, so you, what are you doing for gear stuff? And I said, I got the most amazing signal chain. I don't think anybody's ever done this before, but it's a Fender guitar into a tube screamer into a Fender amp. He goes, man, this is groundbreaking stuff. And I said, I know, I know. This is what I, I'm a thought leader, you know? <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's good to be humble. It's good to be reminded that maybe, just maybe, I don't know every goddamn thing 
under the sun, you know? <laughs> hey, it's, it, it's, it's good to always, always keep, keep learning. Well, you know? <laughs> these are things that I should have learned a long time ago, but you're right. I don't disagree with your point. And, uh, I need to keep learning. And if you have to learn a lesson that everybody else on the planet figured out 30 years ago, so be it, you know? Um, so, so we'll see. I don't know what my next revelation is going to be, but like, I've had these other epiphanies. Like I was never a Bruce Springsteen guy, right. And in high school and in college, I absolutely hated him. And I was not shy about talking about <laughs> for this guy. Then my cover band had to learn born to run. And I'm just going like, Oh God, really? Okay. I'll learn it. I learned it. And I'm going, okay, this is a perfectly written song. This is a great song. This guy's great. Like how come nobody ever told me that Bruce Springsteen was great. So here I am, you know, like 2017, and I'm going like, I'll tell you a songwriter you might want to check out. It's this guy named Bruce Springsteen. I think he's out of Jersey. Um, God. He was and, born to run. He was born to run. And I think he might still be running. He might run a little bit slower now. but um, uh -huh. And he was yeah. born in the USA, too. He was born in the USA. Because New Jersey, <laughs> I think, unless we lost the war, is still in the USA. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's good. It's good to be humble, you know, and I, I try to remain humble and be very aware of what I don't know. Um, although I believe what I believe very strongly, you know, if somebody wants to make a compelling argument, I'll try and listen to it. I might change my mind. We'll see. Mm -hmm. That's cool. That's cool. So speaking of like you just said, you played a gig where you had to learn. Uh, was it Born to Run or where we had to learn one of those songs? Like, like how many? Like you just got back from a gig. I did. Yeah, that, that wasn't the yeah. gig I was referencing, but I just got back from Wisconsin yesterday for a fly-out gig. You know, it sounds super rock star. And there, there were certain things about this that were rock stars because I got to play with people that are like kind of, if they're not rock stars, they certainly have played with a lot of rock stars. Um, my itinerary wasn't exactly rock star, you know? So people think it's private jet and all this. Eh, it wasn't. It was more like a 6.30 flight out of SFO. So. I got up at 4 a.m., but what I told everybody is I actually stayed up until 4 a.m. Yeah, I did. No, it's I go to bed early. I'm old, you know, but um, I made it partying. about as rock star as it could be. But it was um, it was an amazing gig uh, playing songs I'd never played before with people I'd never met um, and reading charts and all this. And so I'm actually turning it into this Evertune blog because I'm going if I had to tune up. In between songs, I don't think I would have made it through this gig. I brought one guitar through amazing temperature and humidity changes. I never tuned up. I didn't tune up before leaving. I didn't tune up at the gig. I didn't tune up between songs. I didn't bring a tuner with me. This is how Evertune saved my ass on this gig. But um, it was it was interesting. And there's so much talent on this stage. And I'm not kidding. The, my bandmates on this stage collectively have performed or recorded with, and this is just a partial list, but I swear everything I'm about to say is true, performed or recorded with Steve Miller, Dizzy Gillespie, Prince, Night Ranger, The Doobie Brothers, Eddie Money, Poison, Emmylou Harris, Willie Nelson. I'm not kidding. And I could go on and I'm just looking around going, what the hell am I doing on this stage? Right. 
And so I think you're like, and that, and that's just the drummer. (laughs) (laughs) I think I know why I was on the stage. I think I was the token rocker. Right. And so it's, I needed to bring the rock with this, even though these people can rock, but they, you know, just, you can tell their, their roots are in jazz and R and B and all this kind of stuff. They can play anything. These people can play absolutely anything. And, um, and so, yeah, so it was, it was really cool. It's the most challenging gig that I've done in a long, long time, but I think I did. Okay. I think, you know, there are always things maybe you could do different and no rehearsal, no rehearsal whatsoever. So we essentially did a subject and we went on and that was it. That's what I was going to ask you. But first of all, Megatod707, thank you so much for the super yes. chat, man. Megatod. Entertaining and educational. That's what we like to bring you. That's what we like to bring here, Johnny. Oh, color behind you. Now yeah, see? Green. Look at that. Magic. We're going green. Magic. It's magical. It. See, but we, yeah, we like to entertain and educate. You know, that, that's, okay. that's what we do here. Oh, that makes um, me happy. Thank you. Megatod, thank you so much. So, yeah, so l- let me ask you. So, so you said you 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 were reading charts, uh, you, you were uh, there was no rehearsal. no rehearsal. So like you so you get the call and then you get like an email that has like the the set list of tunes and maybe yeah, like I didn't get the final set list until not even a week before the gig. It was like <laughs> three days before the gig, and and it was freaky. And again, when I say tunes I've never played before, I'd heard them all right but I didn't necessarily have them under my fingers. And so, you know, it's a cover gig. It was like a corporate gig that we were playing, but it would be songs like, you know, the challenging jazzier stuff would be like Georgia on my mind and what a wonderful world and, you know, beautiful songs. I love them. It's not in my repertoire, but so I printed out a chart and I could follow the chart. The changes, you need to know them, but they're not, they're not totally difficult. It's not like I'm playing Chikoria songs or something. And then, um, but then some rock tunes that I didn't know, like Money for Nothing, well, you need to know that riff, right? That's an iconic riff. You're totally mm-hmm. naked. There's nobody there except for guitar. And if you don't get it right, people know. It's like the intro to Sweet Child of Mine or something. It's not impossible, but you better not clam even one note on that. Otherwise, everyone knows. And uh, and so it was stuff like that. And then we did some Beatles songs. We did um, like some Joe Cocker stuff. Uh, there were great singers on this gig. So you know, my bandmate, Jesse Bradman, who's the guy who was in Night Ranger and Poison and Eddie Money's band, just a brilliant singer. And so I got to back Jesse up on a bunch of songs, which is great. His wife, Paula, was there. She's a great singer. And she covered the, she was the only female vocalist on it. So she covered all that stuff. And then this guy, mm-hmm. Tim Hockenberry, who's doing some stuff uh, and making some waves now. Great singer, soulful singer. Um, and he sat next to me on the plane and I'd seen him before we chaired a bill before and he had uh, a friend of mine on guitar, Tal Morris, who's a great guitarist from the Bay area. And I said, Oh, I'm friends with Tal. And he goes like, Oh yeah, yeah. I love Tal. I, I, I'm not able to work with him these days. Cause you know, he's doing stuff up here and I'm in LA and he goes, I got a guy on guitar named Michael Landau. And I said, I've heard of him. And so his band in LA is like Michael Landau and Gary Novak. And I'm going like, really? I got to play guitar next to you and you work with Michael Landau? Like, how am I going to do this? You know. <laughs> and so I did my thing. I was in a very supportive role. We had a lot of great soloists on stage, so I didn't get to play that many guitar solos, which was fine with me. It wasn't a place for me to show off, but like 
I got to play the hit me with your best shot solo, which is, I can, I can do it. You know, I love Neil Giraldo. And so I did that. And then I faked um, that one before. If you yeah. hear it in your head, you can fake it. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's, I find it to be a demanding part and I'd like to try and do it as close to no perfect as I can. I did the light solo, um, which is again, iconic solo that I love. And then I got to improvise a couple solos that, that went okay. You know, I feel okay about mm-hmm. it. Um, it. It's, and, and people seem pleased. I was honored to be on stage with these people. I just could not believe like how much talent there was, but they were all cool. They're all like really, really nice people. And um, that's cool. And, and so it was fun. You know, it was really fun. It was, it was nerve wracking, but now that the dust is settled and I can look back on it, I'm really glad I took the gig. And, um, and yeah. And again, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I'm stronger after having done this gig under these kind of circumstances. Mm-hmm. 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 You're ready for another one. You're like, yeah, let's go. I wish I could do another gig with the exact same band like tomorrow because now I'm ready. If they call me, <laughs> I'll still take it, but if I'm going to have to start woodshedding again. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there was no rehearsal, right? No. So you get there and it's like, yeah, you've got, you've practiced yourself and then right. you've got your charts like down in front of you or a stand or something probably. Yeah, but I wasn't reading charts on every tune and I was really trying not to read charts on most of them, but the band leader wasn't totally comfortable with that. And he just said like, you're not, you're not going to use the charts. And I said, well, no, I, I tried to commit these to memory and I have my little cheater charts here. And he goes, not everything is going to be like the recorded version. Like you might need the chart. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I can't do that now. Like I have to do my thing here. And I said, I'll listen, I'll listen, you know, and, and it worked out fine. It worked out fine. I understand where he was coming from, but there's no way like the, the thing of charts was like this thick and like there's wind and stuff. And I'm going, how am I even going to find the next tune? Even if they're in um, order, I, I it's, it's just kind of not how I work. You know, I haven't done music theater in a long time. Even then you have a binder, you have a book and you just flip pages on. This was not that. Yeah. And I just said like, man, I, I think it's okay. You know, I think it's okay. And don't worry. I, I won't jam you up. And thankfully I did not. I didn't jam them up. Didn't jam up the singers. I, I think I did my job. You know, people seemed happy and, and it was cool. That's cool. And yeah, that that's interesting, man, because yeah, I, I do a similar type of thing. I, I play a gig with the band. We've been playing together for 20 years off and on, but not like, it's like every once, you know, every couple of years I'll get a call. Hey, Johnny, we've got a gig, you know, I'll send you the, the, the list of songs. We get together with like maybe one rehearsal at their apartment at their house. And then we just, we play the gig. And, and it's cool because the, the, the main focal point of the band is a a vocalist and she also plays piano. So she has like a keyboard and and she's singing and then I'm basically free. I can, I can basically do whatever I want with, with those songs. So, you know, if, if it's a cover tune, yes, I'll learn, you know, the, the riff to it or, or the solo or whatever, but I can pretty much just, you know, I've got some charts you know, that I have, you know, on a, on a stand. And so it's kind of, it's kind of like that, but it's not nearly the, uh, the pressure, I think of what you had, but, but, uh, a similar, similar type of yeah. type of thing. And by the way, I'll be streaming that live on the channel here. <laughs> what, did, so, what the gig you just described? Yeah. The gig I'll be doing that. Right. It's on a set. It's on a Saturday next month. Oh, I, I want to say that. it's the 17th. That's cool. So if you guys want to see me totally mess up, 
uh yeah I, I think it's i think it's the 17th september yeah there's a, it's a saturday Sa- saturday september 17th i'll be live on here sweating totally <laughs> fumbling these guitar parts and it'll be awesome so tune well, in i have a gig of my own that day but it'll be archived right when it's done <laughs> oh yeah it'll be live and it'll be archived on here yeah and so then as well. then i can I can you pause and rewind and really come up with stuff to heckle you on it. And so giggle. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So so you have a gig that same day? I do. Yeah. And I forget exactly where that is. I think it may be like a winery gig with my my cover band uh, up in Napa somewhere. Awesome. Right on. Yeah. So it's good. Right you know, after two years of not doing anything, Live gigs are kind of happening again. And fly out gigs after two years of not taking oh. any airplanes anywhere. Yeah, I'm flying out to gigs. Oh, that that's that's awesome, man. Yeah, it's it's been a weird couple couple years, man. Yeah, we referenced that at um, the beginning of the show a little bit, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, um but it it was it was great uh seeing you again, you know, seeing you at at the NAM show. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that, that was, that was kind of, you know, it was much smaller, but it wasn't, it wasn't that, I mean, it was, it was more like, there was more room. It was more cozy. Yeah. It was, it was good you know? for what it was. You know, I think, I think it was valuable. And again, despite my regrets of it, um, I'm glad it happened. I think it was good. The builders I spoke to, they seemed to be happy with it and that it helped them. And we'll see. I it was I had sort of a, a letdown after the show, like one of which I mentioned already. But uh, when all these all these people we went and visited, these guitar companies were so into Everton, you know, and they're totally into it. And, oh, my gosh, I love you guys. And yes, we want to do this. We want to incorporate this into our build. And then it's been incredibly silent since then. And so it's like, all right, that's fine. You know, nobody was under any obligation. But come on, people. Let's do this. You know? and I, I'm not begging them for anything. I think we can help them. You know, come on. It's a win-win. So yeah. I think it'll happen. I think it'll happen. It just didn't happen quite as quickly as I hoped. Yeah. Well, I'm still posting NAM videos even now. Okay. So it, it's, it really, it's only been a couple months. It's still. Yeah. Patience is not my greatest <laughs> Um, I've had to get much more patient working for a manufacturer, you know, where things necessarily happen slowly than when I was at a magazine where when I first started, we released a new product every month. By the time I left, we were releasing a new product almost every day just because of how the industry had shifted so much. Wow. So like print and like online? Print and online. Yep. And there was always something and not just one print thing a month. I mean, several things cooking all at the same time. And uh, yeah, it was hectic. It was frenetic. I don't know how they're doing it now because they they don't have anywhere near the staff, but they still do great work. You know, my buddy Art Thompson is kind of running the show at Guitar Player and he's awesome and he's a legend. And I remember uh, you 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 introduced me to him at a NAMM show right. years yeah, we ago. Hung out. We hung out we, at Fender. Years ago. Yeah. We were walking around. It was me, you, Art, and then we—I remember we ran into somebody else. I don't remember his name. I don't know if you remember, but I remember like maybe I was wearing a Van Halen shirt or something, you know. And 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 we were talking to—I—I I, I don't know who it was, but he was telling me that he actually got to play like the Shark guitar, the actual guitar. Oh, that's interesting. So that it could have been 
in those days, Chris Canella or I don't know. But I remember that hang for sure. And I'm positive you were wearing a Van Halen shirt, by the way. I don't think that's really up for uh, debate. But um, yeah, Art, he's a real legend in the industry and just a dear friend. And so it's a, they have a trusted stable of freelancers at Guitar Player, but it's him and it's Chris Capolitti, um, who I've never met. But I, I, I like the guy a lot, dealing with him over the phone. And he's the guy who hired me to do the Van Halen tribute issue. And he was incredibly supportive during that time. Super difficult time for us all. But me, mm -hmm. I'm in the process of grieving. I have to deliver the best story I've ever written. I have to wrangle 20 interviews. And I had a week, I had one week to do that story. And that's why I, I got out of the game after that. That was like my mic drop moment. You know, I'm done. Yeah. How mm -hmm. are you going to? How are you going to write about the rhythm guitarist in a band you've never heard of when you just did the Eddie Van Halen tribute story? And I just thought, I can't do that, you know? And, and I have a job now. I work for a manufacturer. And so I still love them. And Guitar Player will still always be near and dear to my heart. But I just said, now nah, I'm out. I'm done. Mm. And uh, and I was mostly done before that, you know? But it's now I'm, I'm really done. And, and again, you want to leave on a high note. I want to be like George mm -hmm. Costanza. Right. So, um, I think I <laughs> man, man. Well, uh, speaking of leaving on high notes, I, yeah. don't know, or, or, I, I, I thought that actually was a really good segue. I'm going there. <laughs> oh, probably out of clever stuff. You know, you should fade, fade to black. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, dude, this has been awesome. No, and... it's been awesome. And I really appreciate you taking the time and having me on you know it's i always like talking to you but this has been a, a, a really cool conversation and and like i don't know we talked about stuff i didn't even know we were going to talk about but I've, I've really enjoyed it yeah yeah that that that's you you never know how these things are going to go you know and and it's it's just it's an awesome thing and and it's it's just it's great i mean we go from from having private talks in Jason Becker's kitchen to having talks here in front yeah, of, in front of the world, you know, no, I love it. I really do. So yeah, again, thank you. And thanks to all the, all the viewers, you know, and, uh, and yeah, if anybody has any specific questions, you can just forward them on. I'm always happy to talk about Evertune or guitar player magazine or guitars in general, yeah. anything, you know, like yeah. I'm an open book. I'm not hard to find. If people want to find me like on Facebook or at Evertune or something, they can. Right on, right on. Um, so how, like, do you have like a, uh, like a public page that people can, can go to? I don't really. I mean, I'm bad at that kind of stuff. You know, I just, I have my Facebook account. Uh, I don't have per se, a presence on the Evertune page, even though there are a bunch of videos that I've shot that demonstrate the bridge and do these kind of things. So yeah. people can see me if they want to. I don't know if anybody needs to see me, but, um, but no, you guys mattblackett.com or anything like that. You guys are doing, doing a show though, right? Isn't there an Evertune YouTube show? Yeah. So Didn't yeah, I, I do that. I, we call it Evertune TV. We just released another episode and you can find all these on our site at evertune.com. I just did one with this, great guitarist and instructor, uh, Martin Miller, who's an Ibanez artist. And he, he does a lot of stuff and he does I was watching that medleys and everything, you know? And so I really like him. He was a super cool guy, had a lot of good stuff to say. So that's the most current episode. I did one with Jerry McPherson, who's an amazing Nashville session cat who's played with Tim McGraw and Faith Hill and all this. And is just the coolest guy. And so, yeah, 
there are several of those. Kiko Larrero from Megadeth. And um, and so we haven't done a ton of them, but there are many. And so, yeah, Evertune TV, you can find those things if people are at all interested. And they, they have great stuff to say. That's me asking the questions. Although I probably babble a lot on those ones, too. I don't know. I try not to. Um, and then we've got some interesting people coming there up. There we go. And so, um, so we will do oh. more of those. Um, and, um, and yeah, and so there's that. And so no, most of what I do now is in the service of my gig at Evertune. Um, but yeah, you know, again, I'm not hard to find. If people want to find me, they can. Right on. And if I, I ever want to sleep, if I ever want to spend the night over there. I, yeah. I can, so again, I can you know it. where you can find us? Just, you know, again, don't, let's have it not be one of those police things you know like with the law enforcement officers um but no that's all good uh i love it and um give my best to your cat uh ned ned is his name um oh yeah he's 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 still there he's he's hanging out well he's just hanging on every word that we're saying there he is by the discussion and you had said you're a cat person you would say you're a cat person so no i am and my cat sass she she came around oh. a lot um, earlier today when I was doing stuff. She's strangely quiet right now, but if she if she wanted to come in, I would have you know put her up on the on the feed. She's a beautiful cat, but um, but no, uh, right now she seems to be keeping to herself. Oh, well, this guy's cleaning. There you go. That's that's his right. <laughs> you know? If we could, we'd all do that. So, um, <laughs> but just not on go. video. Boy, Talking about leaving, leaving on a high note. I, yeah. Once again, I thank you so much for uh, taking the time, man. It's just great, great to talk to you, and thank you for letting me. You're welcome. Uh, spread the gospel about Evertune a little bit, and really, what we're doing is just spreading the gospel about guitar in general. You know, that's my that's my thing. That's my life mission. Yeah, yeah, and and fun, good stuff. Good, excellent. That's what we like. Well, I look forward to talking to you again soon. Yes. Yeah. So don't hang up. I wanted to talk to you about something before, oh, that's right. like yeah, after. Sure. We'll, just, we'll, we'll dispense with all this really quickly. You and I can so let me say thank you. Thank you. Thank you to uh, the, our channel members. There we go. Thank you so much for your continued support for this channel and these shows. I will see everybody tomorrow night. Saturday Night Live is what we call it. And uh, I think we'll be doing some like rock music, uh, rock music talk, music news. Maybe I'll play some guitar. Uh, and then don't forget, you guys, next Friday, next Friday, radio legend Phil Hendry will be here. And if you guys, if you guys have, haven't heard of him, first of all, where have you been? Second of all, you don't want to miss this show. You do not want to miss Phil Hendry. It's going to be just insanity. The guy is, he might be crazy, but he's just, he's amazing. He's amazing. Matt, you know who he is. You, you, yes, you, I do. you said you heard him. I, I definitely have heard him. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, awesome, everybody. Thank you so much. And we'll, we'll see you guys next time. Johnny Bean TV. Bye bye.